and welcome to another episode of The Real Rant, the place where we like to rant about the real stuff. My name is Brendan McGee, and sitting across from me today is nobody. I am all by myself today. So in the midst of all the craziness going on in the world right now, we we thought we'd give you something special. We got to sit down and do an interview with the one and only Ralph Seppi from YouTube, known as Ralph the Movie Maker. He's a really awesome guy, and a couple of years ago, he made a full-length feature film back when he was in film school in uh, New York City, and uh, it's called Lover, hence the title of the episode. Now, if you haven't seen the film, I would suggest that you pause this recording and you go see it. Um, It's only $5 on Vimeo to go stream it. I will put a link in the description for you to go and visit there. Um, With that, this episode is a little bit different. Um, We just roll right into an interview slash discussion of a film that Ralph made, and we really hope that you enjoy it. But before we roll over to the discussion with Ralph, I'm going to roll it over to Tom with the synopsis. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Tom Rombus here again. As per usual, I'm not here to cause a ruckus, but I am here to read a synopsis. Alright, here we go. One night, on her way to meet up with some friends, Delilah is approached by a man in a black car. He seems to recognize her from a club and asks if she needs a ride. Reluctantly, she accepts. Though awkward at first, a friendship slowly blossoms, but Howard is left wanting more. Over the course of a year, Howard's failed courtship of Delilah leads him down a dark path of jealousy and revenge. This is Lover. Welcome to our interview with Ralph Seppi, the director of Lover. How are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it too. Oh, that's good. So yeah, the film is Lover. First things first, man, I got to ask you, how long did it take you to make this movie? took about, um, from the start of writing it, three and a half years. And how long did it take you to write it? Because I know writing takes yeah, ages. It, I, I wrote it when I was like 17, like okay. 17, 18. So it took about a year and a half to write it. I was also writing like during pre-production, all that stuff. It kind of crossed over into that. Okay. But yeah, like around that. It took a long time because, um, first of all, the way the movie shot, like I shot it over a year so that yeah. everyone looks like they aged like somewhat. It okay. looks good. And the weather too. You know, I didn't fake any of the weather. It's, it's the summer, and then it's snowy in the winter or whatever. 
So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to I mean that was I mean we'll get into that a little bit more, but I was going to ask um what was I mean, I guess we're getting right into questions here, but what was kind of the significance for filming it over the period of a year? I just wanted it to look real, especially when you have like a limited budget, that kind of stuff. You can't uh age people realistically. Mhm. So mm-hmm. just having them come in and out like <laughs> okay, let's film for a weekend and then yeah. you guys go away. Also, the way we shot it, it's like a lot of students. It was my friends and film students of mine that I knew at school. Mm-hmm. So we did just shoot on weekends. It was actually more convenient for us to shoot that way. And it worked for the movie. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. when you watch the film, uh, I mean, definitely university vibes when I'm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, a student film. No, like, no, I, no. I know uh, that. I'm, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying uh, you get the sense that you guys are in university. I think yeah. that's... I think that I think that's what I was going for. I wasn't saying, oh, it's a student film. You can tell it's a student film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to shit on your movie, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I don't, I don't but, mind at all, though. Yeah, but, you know, it's it, that's the worst thing someone could say about your movie that you work really hard on. You work three yeah, years on this. Of course. The worst thing anybody could say is like, ah, it's just a fucking student film. Yeah, like, it's a bad student movie. <laughs> no, but that's what um, people are going to say about your work. Like, it doesn't, yeah. it's no big deal. So you filmed it over a year. Yeah. Um, which I actually really liked i I think it's good to know now that you filmed it over a year intentionally as opposed to um when i was watching it because i've made films myself and i know how long it takes to make a movie Mm -hmm. i was kind of like oh he filmed it over a year because that was the availability of everybody yeah i wrote it with that in mind like what's in my resources and i could get people to come for like over a year that would be cool it would be a good thing to try Uh, you know what's really frustrating i think when you watch uh like films from you know creators when they're you know when in their earlier years and they're putting their movies out and then they get an imdb page is when you watch their old films not a lot of them consider that you know what i mean mm-hmm. they consider their resources and really are like oh shit like i've only got like 10 grand or i've only got seven grand or whatever you know and then you're just like well fuck like i uh, I'm going to do what I what I think in my mind looks good that I can write on paper because anybody can write something down, yeah. right? And But then it's like you have to make it believable. Mm-hmm. Um, films like this, in a sense, um, like your film, there has to be some sort of believability factor, not only with the director, but also with the audience members. So when you go into the film, you're expecting that you know, obviously it's going to look like your mom's house or obviously in some areas it's going to look like this, like, like, you know, why are you doing this? And it's like, well, you kind of have to excuse all those things and really kind of watch it like you watch a play. For instance, when you see two actors come on stage and there's a block in the center of them and then there's two blocks to the right and left and you're kind of like, well, I'm, I'm assuming this is a table and I'm assuming, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming it kind of is that you can, you kind of have to take it for what it mm-hmm. is. And I think, that's the most important thing about when you watch an indie film is you're you're like okay well I have to suspend disbelief to some extent mm-hmm. and I have but to... it also feels more real it like, does there's that part like when they're talking before I guess we can spoil the movie now I assume oh like... uh, no yeah totally that's <laughs> yeah, what the, the show's about before the shootout like my friends those are all friends of mine from like high school and I just filmed them talking like playing poker. Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't get that if you just write a scene or you try to construct it in a way like a big budget film does. Yeah. But just by filming it literally in that guy's house, that's his house that we filmed it in, <laughs> you just get that, like, natural friends hanging out thing, which is more what I wanted from that scene. 
So are you kind of insinuating to some extent that your film, uh, when you watch it, you're kind of representing both reality of like our reality and and behind the camera, but also the reality of the film? Yeah. Is that what kind There's of what partly you're like when you're watching one of my films, you know me and you know like yeah. the behind the scenes of it. And I know that. And it's like it's more about embracing that. Yeah. Than rather than trying to hide it. Oh, it's of like, course. let's see what we can do. <laughs> yeah. Like, how far can we go? I love that about this film, especially because <laughs> there was there were some times where I was like, oh, I've done that before. Oh, I've mm-hmm. done that. Uh, the one thing yeah. that got me, though, uh, interested in this film, so we can kind of go there, um, is I, I was watching some of your stuff and um, I am a big fan of yours. I was watching some of your stuff, and uh, I think there were older videos. Um, when was this released, by the way? I can't, I can't remember. Uh, last year. So last year? 2018, November. Okay. Yeah. I started watching your stuff kind of mm, probably around the summer, maybe just... Oh, like man. this summer? Yeah, like just this past mm-hmm. summer, maybe before, and then I just went through your whole catalog, because I was <laughs> like, I was like, God damn it, I got to watch all these. Yeah, you know? I'm glad. I, I really do make those videos to be rewatched and like enjoyed as many times as possible. Your gaudy, I just want them. Yeah. Your the gaudy, gaudy one. <laughs> the gaudy the gaudy video is probably hands down I send that to people. <laughs> My like, favorite one personally is the Mystery Diners one that I made like when I was like sixteen. But the gaudy one, I'm falling in love with that one. <laughs> Mystery Diners was great. Mystery Diners was great. I love um, that show. I still watch it. <laughs> I watch it with right, Mystery all the time. Diners. What's his name again? <laughs> Charles Styles. <laughs> Charles Styles. <laughs> Mystery Diners. <laughs> Dude, I gotta go watch that tonight. Yeah. Um well that's I think that's the thing about uh your work is is it's 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 it has a personality to it. And it has sure. this sort of hey, this is me, and if you don't like me, fuck off. You know? <laughs> and I, and and not 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 like not, yeah. Well like I, I just wanna try something, I wanna make something. And like, if you don't enjoy it, that's fine. I think I'm. Yeah. I think I'm more or less referencing um, because the people that watch your film are gonna know who you are. I hope, uh, or if they don't, that's fine. Um, from mm-hmm. your work on YouTube, right? Yeah. And and I'm they're sure. gonna know who your personality is. So when you go make your movie, that's just an extension of that. Mm-hmm. They know, then they want to know. So I didn't mean like fuck off. Like you know, if you don't like it, get out of here. It's just more <laughs> like, hey, like. This is who I am. Appreciate it if you don't like it. Yeah, I mean, whatever, you know? So, but um, yeah, I I think I kind of want to go. I I was going to go back here, but I think the one thing that brought me to this film was the. You were mentioning your film Lover and how long it took you to make. And I was like, God damn, like, oh, it takes me a really long time when I used to make films. It took me a really long time to make movies and stuff like that. But I, I used to just make shorts. I never took on a full length movie before. Yeah. Um, I was also in college at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was like, you know, <laughs> balancing that. Of course, of yeah. course. But I remember the reason why I wanted to see it was because of the it's it's like a single image i remember it was burned in my brain and i didn't because i rewatched the film again tonight and um it's burned into my brain it's a shot of howard walking out of the bathroom and shooting the first guy it's mm-hmm. just the way you framed that was really it's probably my favorite shot in the whole entire film yeah. uh and it's something about how um in that moment because i know who you are again as a person based on your based on your videos um but when I saw that, I was like, oh, you know, I snapped out of it. I was like, oh, this isn't Ralph. This is Howard. You know what I mean? Like this, <laughs> yeah. this is like Ralph wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, Ralph wouldn't do that. You know, no, more like um, 
it's more like uh, you you snap out of it because you really got into it in that shot. Like, and I guess we could lead into this is um, how do you feel about acting in your films? Is that something that you personally want to do or rather work? It's funny how that happened. Like as a teenager, no one's going to act in your movies. So I acted in them myself. Yeah, yeah. But I I like it. I enjoyed acting. And I discovered, like, you learn a lot about directing from acting as well. Mm-hmm. And the thing, I was in the movie, I'm in a relationship with Victoria, mm-hmm. who plays Delilah slash Christina. Yeah, yeah. And, like, both acting with her and directing her at the same time was such a, it was such a good experience for me. Like, it was so great. And I learned so much from that. She was like a. She almost graduated at that point, and she was mm. like an acting major. You so, could tell. You could yeah, tell. She knew a lot about acting, and she was telling me shit. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, that's cool. Because I was eighteen at the time. Mm. I literally just arrived at Emerson College in like mm. January that semester. I arrived. Yeah. And then by the end of that month, I was holding auditions for Lover. <laughs> I'd printed out fucking like a Lover auditions and room, whatever, <laughs> and placed it on every fucking floor in every building in Emerson myself. Oh, okay. And everyone came, or a few people came. Yeah. That's hardcore. Yeah. Did you, did you pay the people that were in the film, or was it no, all? No, none of them no. wanted to be paid either. They were oh, all okay. like students who just wanted stuff for their work. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, oh, it's just like work for the resume, I mean. Yeah, demo room. Um, there's a lot of people like just struggling to be in something or just have credits. Like there's a lot of actors, I know them in LA right now. They'll mm. be in student films or indie films for free. Yeah. Just so they have something on their resume. Like here's something I'm in. Like to hire me for, for real, for a commercial even. Yeah, so, yeah. I yeah. And I, I think to for me, I think I started to kind of do that um, – more behind the camera because i can't act for shit um i i I like to think that i know how to direct pretty well um but i think the one thing that i remember doing was just working for people for free because it was like i just want i think with the determination it shows that hey i can be on set for 17 hours and not get paid like (laughs) yeah like you know what i mean and 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 you have that and if you can write that down you get a reference for that it's like holy shit, like this guy's going to work his ass off for no money at all. I mean, Mm -hmm. which could be to your detriment as well. But I mean, it's just more, it's more like you want to get the appreciation that you feel like you deserve, that you put all that money in to go into college. And, you know, and I mean, I guess, I guess you shouldn't say deserve, but more like feel appreciated for the work that you do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I did all this stuff to get to this point. Yeah. yeah. I should be making, (laughs) I should be making cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. Also like part of the acting is I wrote the movie too. Yeah. yeah. So I understood Howard's mindset. I did Mm -hmm. all the research into like how Instagram stalkers work and Mm -hmm. how they think. And like, you know, as the writer, there's scenes where I'm just like staring (laughs) in the movie, just staring. I know what's going on in my head because I wrote Howard. But the audience doesn't, and maybe that maybe that makes it come across more real. That I understand that process, his thought process. So when you started out, um, I, I wrote in my notes that it's a it's a stalker film, but it's like a reverse stalker film because usually, when you see a stalker film, it's usually the person that's being stalked is mm-hmm. the main character. As in this film, in my, in my eyes, as the viewer, I'm watching this film and. And Howard's the main character. Yeah. And you get more of an insight into his life, but also nothing at the same time, which is perfect. One of my favorite lines in the entire film uh, is the part where um, 
Christina goes, why don't you ever talk about yourself? And, and Howard says, I don't have any problems. I was like, yeah, that's perfect. Because it's, he doesn't have anything. Yeah, he doesn't have anything. <laughs> you don't and know anything about him. You know that he has a cat and he's got a gun and a phone and he's got some pills to put in a drink yeah. and some popcorn. He has a dad. He like talks to his dad on the phone like once. Yeah. yeah. I was going to – I think that's a good place to lend into is um, how – when you're writing the script and you're considering your point of view uh, for how you're going to shoot this film – are you considering the um, perspective of the audience? Of course you are. But are you considering the perspective of the um, of of the character, in a sense, to the point where you're like, oh, maybe he can be considered not to be a reliable narrator? Yeah. Yeah? To a certain extent. I think that's more done in editing. Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm writing something, I just try to write down, like, the entire, like, book <laughs> of, like, yeah. what happens in the story. From, like, every character's point of view. And then maybe from there, in in multiple drafts, narrow it down to, like, that one narrative. Like, Mm -hmm. the most interesting character was Howard, so I really hammered in on him. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, once you have that, I did kind of rework the story in a way that it's told from his point of view. Yeah. Yeah, because I like, I feel like movies, the best movies that I love, anyway, are are told in that way. Yeah. Well, one of the topics of discussion in our group discussion when you know, talking about your film was, was talking about this unreliable narrator and talking about how we know so much about him, but do we really know it all? Like for instance, um, there's a lot of points in the film. It's some of my favorite parts of dialogue is where Christina or other people ask questions to Howard and Howard replies in a way that makes them look stupid, but it's almost a reply. It reminded me a lot of American psycho, um in this uh, more i think kind of more in the book because i've i've read the book and uh there and it's also in the film to some extent but where um uh what's his name bateman uh basically will respond to something in like a very vulgar way after a question that was asked to him Mm -hmm. and it reminded me a lot of how howard responds to people so like um when christine is in the car for the first time with howard and Howard goes into the glove box and grabs a uh, thing of smoke, something to smoke, and and Howard starts to smoke. And Christina asks, "Do you smoke?" And it's like, "Of course he fucking smokes. He's smoking right now." <laughs> and and I love that because not only are we breaking the tension, because you you can tell how uncomfortable she feels just by that question. Because it's like, why are you asking that question? And, but you can also tell how comfortable to some extent he is feeling. But then you look at the cigarette and like maybe he's not that as comfortable as he. Well, I, I guess to he's be. totally comfortable in that domain. He's just yeah. like doing his thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah, you could read it. You could definitely read it two ways. Uh-huh. Um, there's also like the beginning. He has those cards, and there's like stuff written down about her. Yeah, yeah. So there's an extent of like he knows more about her beforehand than yeah. like, he lets on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's just like, I just try to think these things out, you know, because I want an audience to enjoy it and like read into, watch it again and be like, oh yeah, that does make sense why Howard would make that decision. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I try to write stuff like that in all the time without being pretentious or trying to be. <laughs> I, you know, I think that's why I like this film is because it reminds me of how I would shoot a film sometimes where I'd be like, I would constantly be mentioning to some extent on the border of being like, I don't want to be like all those other student films, or I don't want to be like all those other indie films. 
and therefore I'm going to kind of take dialogue and and change it a little bit so that way it doesn't so it's addressed. So I don't know if you're doing this on purpose, but there's also another when you bring Christina. When, sorry, when you when Howard brings back uh, Christina back to the apartment, she asks if uh, if Howard has a bathroom, and he's like, not only does he have one, but he has two. He has two. Um, <laughs> but he's one uh, on the right, one on the left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he Howard says, "I've got a." She's like, Howard says, uh, "Yeah, I've got two. and she goes, "Cool." And she walks down the hall, and as she's walking down the hall, this is where uh, the unreliable narrator, I think, came into mind for me again, was, uh, that would be stupid if I didn't, or something like that. Because it would be, but she doesn't react, maybe this is just how the film was edited or whatever, but she doesn't react in a way that made me feel like, oh, this is another instance where he's kind of stepping outside the bounds of, you know, maybe uh, who can hear him. Do you know what I mean? Because she's mm-hmm. not reacting. Because because I would, if I was going to the bathroom, I would react to that. I'd be like, yeah, that was a stupid fucking question. Why did I ask that? You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but like, in the film, there's no reaction to it. So you're kind of like, oh, like, is is he thinking this? Or is he, yeah. is he saying this? Howard's just a very quiet, like, character, too. She's yeah. asking him so many questions, just trying to get something out of him. But mm-hmm. he's, he's like, he's he won't nudge. He won't let anything out. Now, when you're writing this film, I know you talked about how you kind of put everything, you know, you make sure you write everything down. Is there a lot of dialogue in this film? Because I I was getting the sense there was a lot of subtext, a lot of things written in brackets. Again, when you write something, tons of dialogue. It's like 300 pages of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Narrow it a lot down once you get to set. And then once I'm working with Tori, I'm like, we can cut out this line. This line is stupid. And then by the time you're done with editing, it's like maybe 5% of the dialogue made it into the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so very minimal, especially the end. Like the last half hour, there's no dialogue at all. Yeah. And that was even like written into the script. Okay. Um, it's like more when Howard's with Christina, I want there to be more dialogue. I want there to be more life to the movie, just mm-hmm. visually. Like, yeah, just like that. But then once she's gone... There's less dialogue and, and less yeah. stuff like that. Now, is that... I guess I could ask this question then. Is is Howard's dialogue forced, in your opinion, when you're writing this character? Forced? Like, hmm. be, because he's such a... Because he, he's a stalker, obviously. Yeah. But he's also, like... You don't people really know... People like that, like, everything that comes out of their mouth is kind of phony. And they're, like, yeah. manipulating people to guide them in the path they want them to go. Like, all he wants is for her to to go in his apartment so he can do that thing he does later to that uh, prostitute yeah, he yeah. brings in. Yeah. Um, but, like, more internally, like, this, the more important stuff, like, why he decides to let her go, why he goes to that prostitute and finds her and, like, kills her, like, none of that stuff is, is explained. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the stuff that would feel more forced to me if it mm-hmm. was, like, just dialogue. Um, everything I made him say in the movie is like just manipulative, mm-hmm. like, just yeah, like that. You know, what's funny Fake. is when I when I watched this film, is I didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't, and maybe that says something about me. Who fucking knows? Uh, mm-hmm. But when I watched this film, I didn't, I didn't, I felt like I sympathized with him more than I did with the implications of his actions. 
Yeah, I mean, because obviously, of the way obviously. it's told, that unreliable yeah. narrator style. Even the way I, I, the black and white and the widescreen, I wanted to mimic the movies he watches on television. Yeah. It's like romanticized uh, romantic comedies almost. It's even kind of structured like a romantic comedy, yeah. this movie. Yeah. Um, but it is fucked up. What he actually does is just oh, yeah. totally wrong in every regard. Yeah, yeah, um, for it's, sure. The movie's not like justifying what he does or um, promoting it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's it's deconstructing kind of how someone like that thinks in like a movie form. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. in a way, you're trying to get us to sympathize with this hate partly yeah Yeah, because what he's feeling is very real like Mm -hmm. he feels neglected and like oh this girl uh abandoned me but really he's a weirdo and a creep and you shouldn't but in his mind that's very real it's weird how i simplify like i I think this is why i like howard yeah i wrote a lot of like sympathetic elements to him definitely i mean even the fact that he has a cat it's like oh he's hanging out with this fat cat that's kind of cute Exactly, and he's I th- like nice to Christina in every interaction we see him. Like he's never like mean or abusive in any way. Like early on, you get more of the sense that he's like that though because he has an ulterior motive to not be friends with her. Yeah, and that's the more important thing. Like even though he becomes like a murderer, crazy person at the end. Yeah, like that vague like you're dating someone for an ulterior motive or you're hanging out with a girl for an ulterior motive. That's very real. And mm-hmm. lots of people deal with that. Um, so I wanted that part to be realistic. And I tried to research that as best I could. So I have to ask, because this really confused me and you said it a couple of times, were they dating in the film or was it just, they, they never say like, yeah, it's just a thing. Cause I, <laughs> I read it as like, he got friend zoned hard. Uh huh. And, and then she kind of uses him. Again, that could play into um, the uh, what is it? the um, the unreliable narrator. It could be not that at all. We mm-hmm. she probably is just going through her own shit. And yeah, well, she's she is going through her own shit. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. She's not a perfect person either. She makes yeah, yeah. mistakes and she does kind of dickish things mm-hmm. without knowing that Howard's actually a murderer. Like without that <laughs> context, yeah, she does kind of do bad things to him too. But she's a person. Yeah. You know, it's not about making her like this idolized. Oh, she does everything perfectly. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. oh, of course, of course. And she's I think she's like a she's a drug addict for half the movie. Yeah, and I I think I think the one time where I realized that I should stop sympathizing as much as I was with with Howard and his emotions, I guess, whatever we got with them is the scene where he went to the party in the college dorm. Mm-hmm. And which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Is it funny because I I stopped sympathizing with him then or because of me? Or do you think it's funny because of that scene? I just think the scene is funny. Like, <laughs> just putting that character in that environment. Because it's not for him at all. It, it's great. And I think, I, I man, I didn't really go to parties when I was in college. Or, uh, I mean, I did. But it wasn't my thing. Um, yeah, it's not my vibe either. Yeah, so I think for me, that's why I liked it so much. Because... When he wanted to leave, he was smoking weed, and he was just like, God damn, like, this is too much for me. Because that's mm-hmm. when you hone into those feelings. And everybody, you know, if you've smoked a little reefer in your life, <laughs> you obviously know what that feeling is like. when you're Especially already feeling, him. Like, yeah. he would not be able to handle that well. You're feeling so self-conscious already for being there, and then he smokes weed, and you're just like, whoa, I feel even worse, you know? Mm-hmm. And... When And then he tries to get himself to control, like, he tries to control again by controlling her. And I really liked that 
dynamic in that scene where he was just like, no, 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 no I'm fine, yeah. I'm fine, I'm fine. And he has I, no control over himself, but he has control over this other person. And his that makes environment. Him feel healthier. Yeah. And once she's gone, like, he can't function. Like, that's partly why he can't help himself but be with her, I guess. Like, that's how I wrote it. I think that's why he's such a... I mean, at least for... I'm not going to say for just guys, but that's the only perspective I have, but as a guy, as watching that film and just being like, oh, man, like, I've been there before, man, and I felt like I'm out of control, and that I try to control the situation by maybe trying to control somebody else by getting them to leave with me when they don't want to leave, and you know that they don't want to leave, and then yeah. they come, and you're just like, God, I, and then you feel like We're just asshole. wanting sympathy. Yeah, yeah like but that. not but not saying you want sympathy, too. Yeah. Like, it's, it's an uns... Like, in the elevator, Howard's saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But all he really wants is for Christina to just, like, hold him to some extent. At least I felt that way. Mm-hmm. He's just like, he mm-hmm. wants a little bit more than just being asked if he's okay. He wants to mm-hmm. express this sort of, like, he, wa- he wants somebody to do something without him having to do it. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I don't know. That, that's just how I felt. <laughs> no, no, no. That makes sense. This film is... Beautifully shot, as I mentioned earlier. Um, even if you watch this film and you feel a little bit like, oh, like it wasn't for me, you can't deny that, you know, you know your shit. Like you know how to frame <laughs> a shot. You've watched you've watched the goods. You've wa- or mm-hmm. you've watched the good the the good films out there. I try. And and, and you <laughs> yeah. know what you're doing. You know how to use space really well. Thank um, you. and I you know, that's a really hard thing for a lot of directors too. It it was hard like directing and being the director of photography of, at the same of course time. yeah um and there's there's definitely parts where I, it didn't live up to my standard or what i would do now mm-hmm. but yeah i do think the movie looks good it um, looks yeah it looks really good man and yeah. i have to say the reason I, you can tell that you have a character not only do you have a a style but it's building and this is your first feature-length film, and you can tell that, okay, you know, this is, like, this is a good starting point. Yeah. If you're going to go out into the world and, you know, say next year you get, a, a like, a three-movie deal with fucking, I don't know, Warner Brothers or something, which would be sick, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you have a base for people to come back to and be like, oh, you know, that's where he came from. Just the same sure. reason why you could say, you know, where Wesley Anderson started with Bottle Rocket and you could say that Quentin Tarantino started with Reservoir Dogs. Um, and you could say the same thing about uh, Christopher Nolan and the following. Yeah. Following um, where you where you can see this progression, you can see the style, because when you like, like, for instance, like you watch you watch directors through the years and you'd be like, oh, like he took it even further the next time. Right. Like the difference between Moonrise Kingdom and and the the Grand Budapest Hotel, they are similar, but they're so different at the same time. Yeah. One feels like an outdoor toy box version. Like Moonrise Kingdom <laughs> is like an outdoor toy box. At like what I mean by this is like out like um what am I trying to say? Um, when you watch that film, you're like, oh, it's like a playground that Wes Anderson yeah. is, is missing. There's, there's like in. this tone that's there in these early movies. That's yeah, it's expanded on in their later work. That it that makes it it's just cool to see like where they take that same idea with tons of money, you know, like the heart of what lover is like like a black and white neo noir like dark. I want to make something like that again. 
And, like, imagine in, like, 15 years if I have the resources to, like, <laughs> do something even, like, the, the same movie, but, like, even grander. Just remake it. Um, <laughs> what's Not that? remake it, exactly. But, like, that same idea, that or that same style. Like, I think that could be fun. Or I hope so. What's that <laughs> film um, with uh, Aubrey Plaza? What's that film called? That stalker film? Oh, Ingrid Goes West. That was one of my uh, big inspiration. I was going to mm-hmm. say that Ingrid Goes West... Um, it was a great film. Yeah. Very and good film. and it, it's kind of really underrated. And the only reason why I know about it is because I feel like you and I, I, I haven't asked you this yet, but I feel like you watch Red Letter Media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Big inspirations. <to laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And I, and they mentioned it in their podcast or in, not in their podcast, but in their, um, in their show, in their catch up, whatever. And when I was watching this film, I was like, I was getting those feelings. Is there any other films that you kind of sought inspiration from? Yeah, like- the biggest one is a film, The Prowler. Is it from 1950? I'm just going to double check the date. The Prowler. The Prowler, <laughs> 1951. Okay. Yeah. That was the biggest one. Obviously, it's a prowler. He's like a guy who looks in the window. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's a girl in the window. and uh, But I wanted to make like a modern day version of that. You know, okay. he doesn't pry through a window now. He goes on Instagram and Facebook and stalks them that way. Uh, so that was a big one. Also, that whole black and white aesthetic. The story is um, similar. Like, definitely inspired by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that film. The Joseph Losey made that. Excellent. I would say then, to some extent, then you uh, like it's a perfect example that you have a uh, you have a basis to. Oh, okay, I'm trying to put this in. Way. You mm-hmm. know your movies. <laughs> you know your movies. <laughs> well. I have tastes that I like. I have movies that I like. <laughs> well, you're mentioning films that you know. I'd be sitting in a lecture within a for whatever film studies course, and you know, so and such would be like, "Oh, have you seen this film?" And everyone's like, "No, what the fuck are you talking about?" Um, but that happens to me all the time. Actually, Elephant Man is another one that inspired this. Really? Yeah, just the, like the look of it, the cinematography. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you, like, I tried to go through bit. like a lot of black and white films. Mm-hmm. Originally, the movie was four different color palettes, like based on the seasons. So, like, uh, fall was like. It originally was like um, Bleach Bypass, like Saving Private Ryan. Okay. I imagine that. <laughs> and then summer was like teal and orange. Spring like looked like a David Fincher kind of film. And then only winter was black and white. But I changed that. Uh, I, I, I went back on that like uh, about halfway through. David Fincher would have been a good one to see you try to work with a little yeah bit, I, I kept the shooting styles of all four so mm-hmm. each season does look different like shot composition wise and like mm-hmm. the use of handheld and wides and whatever um but color yeah i just i wanted to make the whole thing black and white <laughs> about halfway through yeah mm-hmm. um it all pays off film knowledge pays off you don't think so it you don't because and it's it the takes one... a long time sometimes it takes like 15 years for that knowledge to come into play exactly and, you're, <laughs> and then and when it comes for you you're just kind of like shit yeah i'm actually i actually when you're you writing know, too when yeah. you're writing stuff it just comes like oh yeah that was an amazing scene let me try to do something like that <laughs> so you've watched a lot of films you can tell and with this film with your film lover if you could associate it with like a certain period in time um of like because like my favorite uh era uh, like i've just realized this but my favorite era of filmmaking is in the 70s um mm-hmm. i really like the a-track sound of the audio um <laughs> have you ever seen uh 
what's that film? The conf- uh, is it the Confession? Uh, it's the the Francis Ford Coppola one. Yeah, the Gene. The Conversation. The Conversation. Yeah, that's a good one. I made a film uh, spoof on that in my last year of college. So much fun to film. Um, but uh, what would you say that this film kind of fits into if you if you could – because you said The Prowler, that's 1951, you said, right? Yeah. 58 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like stylistically? Yeah, stylistically. Like, where does it fit in the era of filmmaking if you – Yeah, well, I wanted it to be noir. Like, yeah. Totally. So mm-hmm. I wanted that feel like The Prowler or Night in the City, mm-hmm. like films from the 50s. But I also wanted that modern-day, sleek, like Fincher look. Mm-hmm. Like a neo noir kind of, it's black and white, but it's not like the lighthouse or something like where it's like a sixteen millimeter old film, which yeah. is a great. It looks great and it's a great movie. But yeah. I wanted something new. I wanted it to be wide. I wanted it to be sleek and crisp. Mm-hmm. You, know? you definitely and get that. You definitely yeah, get something that. different. I think that works better for the story. Mm-hmm. Now uh, we're gonna go back a little bit here. Um, the opening of this film, like just the the sa- the sound. I can tell you're a bit of a fan of a soundtrack. You like you yeah. like your you like your. Sound. Well, I like did all the audio editing and recording myself, mm-hmm. so that's kind of like I had a lot of fun with it. And mm-hmm. the mixing at times is pretty bad <laughs> because of that. Um, me and my friend worked on that. We tried mm-hmm. to make it better. Luckily, I had like other people who were more competent than me, like work on that part, <laughs> yeah. try to fix it. But, but like, I had a lot of fun with the audio. Yeah. 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 Well, the first uh, the first opening uh, sequence, um, or we get, like that opening shot uh, of the car and um, driving down the street, um, the film kind of begs for your attention. Is that kind of what you were going for? This sort of like two thousand one, a space odyssey. Pay attention, or get well, the I think out? every movie should start like that. Just like something interesting. Like I, I'd like to grab people pretty quickly. Because especially early on, once you if you grab someone in those first five minutes, they'll stay with you because they just want to see what happens, even if it's bad. <laughs> was, was there a lot of thought on how you were going to bring up that title? Oh uh, yeah, the yeah. the zoom in. What's that Especially, from? That's from that's from like not not that, but what was that? Uh, what what's that inspired by? You could say it's not like, yeah, because I didn't like copy it from anything directly. No. Um, but I ha- it's like a thing of my style. I like the titles to be just there, just there, and yeah. like, like a like an art that like represents the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There's something about this jittery, like it comes in. This is lover, and like that's it is what it is. Well, it's it's something that you do in a lot of your works, not just mm-hmm. this it's, film. But it's simple, but mm-hmm. it like grabs you pretty quickly. And also, I like the panning in. Like it calls back to King Candy, kind of too, which is mm-hmm. a movie made when I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. And, like, the opening shot is, like, panning in on a main character as the text is coming of the opening credits. Okay. So now it's, like, the text is coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so it's kind of an homage to that, I guess. So um, oh, I, th- I think what it reminds me of is, uh, you know, bulletins from, like, back in the 50s. Like, for instance, Citizen Kane. Um, mm-hmm. There's this really fast, I think, because I've seen that movie so many goddamn times. Um I'm going to use this word example. It's in a lot of other films. You know how when a bulletin gets thrown up on a screen for like a news article or like a news yeah. front of a newspaper, it mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of that. It was almost like, hey, this is really important. It's the title. Yeah. But, you know, and it was very Or even like the titles of, of uh, like those old 30s, 40s movies. The title would come in like this. King Kong. <laughs> uh, gold diggers. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like that, but also a little creepier. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask, uh, it's in my notes here, why did you pick... Um, there there are two films that I think, in from what I remember, that were referenced in this film. One of them I looked up. Uh, let me get it. I want to say it because I want to seem smart here. Meet John Doe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Meet one John of them Doe. was Meet John Doe, and the other one, which what was that other one? It was I think it was just audio that we got. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> and it's like the, it's the they're telling the story about his dream or whatever. Yeah, he saw the girl. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot the movie. That's Meet John Doe. <laughs> the other one, there was another film. Oh, that's Meet John Doe. Okay. Yeah. Um, but was there any reason why you had those um, those fil- those films in your film? Because that that's always says any... something about a filmmaker when you have that in there. Yeah, it usually does. I just picked the scenes because the dialogue was relevant. I just okay. watched a bunch of movies from that era that was also the royalty-free movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't have to deal with copyright shit. Yeah. Um, and I just tried to find stuff that would work. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. The, as far as like the significance of the individual films, not really. Like the ones that I picked, um, they're more just like romantic movies from that time that Howard would watch mm-hmm. or find interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On his like 4K TV, he's like watching these like <laughs> old fucking movies. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, where did you film this? Where did so you filmed uh, a where few did you... different places? The condo was just a condo I found. Okay, um, we filmed there. Um, oh, so you rent? So you rented it for the film? Yeah, it's just for filming that. There were some, like the the dorm room was my dorm room in in a freshman year. Yeah, yeah. Um, we would film in like diners and restaurants. They'd let us. We'd say it's a, a student film. Yeah, and then outside in my car, <laughs> like all stuff that's like easily accessible. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the well, hospital room was like it was partly my bedroom. And uh, partly a hotel room, mm-hmm. like so. I went to visit my grandparents, and I brought the camera with me. Okay. So I, I like filmed in the hotel room with like a few of my friends. Was that yeah. uh, was that uh, the actress, the actual actress in the bed at the, at the end? No, yeah. that's my mom in bandages. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm like that was the last. That was one of the last shots of the film that yeah. we like did. Yeah, like what we recorded. I'm like, mom, you need to lay in this bed with bandages on. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> she had no context. She didn't know what the movie was about. Yeah. My mom's not a great actor. <laughs> no, she's very useful. And she got along great with Victoria. Like, Victoria and her, like, hit it off. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> again, going back to audio, um, and I guess this will play into visual, too. Um, and again, uh, play with uh, the whole perspective of Howard. I liked how um, you did this. Um, what is it? You, you kind of... Anytime Howard was affected either auditorially, I don't know if that's a word, uh, mm. by, uh, or visually, um, it was represented in the film. So the first mm. instance of that we get is the scene where, you know, Howard puts his ear up to the door and then he plugs his other ear and then yeah, you he closes his eyes. Yeah. I watched this film with my headphones on, um, some expensive headphones, because uh, I wanted to. Like sound is really important to me. That's why I have a mm-hmm. podcast. Um, but I, so I wanted to, I wanted to hear it just as much as I wanted to see it. And so when I'm listening to it in that scene, my left ear actually like went mute, and mm-hmm. like it all, his. yeah. <laughs> and my right ear started to kick in, right. And uh-huh. and you're like, and then you hear the muffled sounds, and then he closes his eyes, and you're just like, oh, like this whole this that's a really cool shot. And then and then you realize, um. Uh, the second instance where the audio is affected in relation to Howard is when he gets hit in the face by the baseball bat. 
mm-hmm. and you're kind of like shit like this is it's almost like Howard is a part of the film and then at the end again uh when he shoots the ex-boyfriend or the boyfriend the other boyfriend at the time yeah. um and his friends in the kitchen he plugs his ears up one at a time mm-hmm. and to hide it, the muffle the sound of the gunshots yeah yeah and the same thing happened again i was like this is this shit is great Mm -hmm. um and it like foreshadows like he's listening outside the bathroom in that beginning scene and now he's Mm -hmm. inside the bathroom and like he's gonna come out exactly so the guys come and attack him and then that third scene he attacks him back like so i i get the sense that you uh kept this in mind to have this sort of other this not only this perspective being followed uh like through just how you shot it and things like that but also visually like visually um actually visually meaning like when when howard closes his eyes you know the film goes black or you know yeah. when sound is affected so is if howard's in the scene so is yeah. i you wanted know. you to like relate with him and yeah be with him on that now was that a choice that you made right at the beginning or is that something yeah. that you chose later on i, I always made that i always knew i was making it with that mindset this mm-hmm. is Howard's story. This is his narrative. And it's going to be told the way he wants it to, even though he's not, you know, a, a very sane person. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always done that. Like, even King Candy, like I made when I was, like, a teenager. But it's a very unreliable narrator, that same thing. Because the mm-hmm. character's like a manipulative narcissist who thinks he's great. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. everything he does is great. Look at this great, exciting thing I did. Um, yeah. And Golden Hour is the same way, which is mm-hmm. I, something I made this year. Yeah, we'll um, talk about that uh, in a bit here because yeah. uh, I saw the which trailer. Which is very different, like in terms of visually and like. I saw this movie. I saw yeah. the trailer for that. It looks great, but we'll we'll talk about <laughs> cool. it in a bit here. Um, yeah. I guess this is kind of a stupid question, but at the same time, who knows? Um, no such thing. <laughs> uh, other than this kind of stalker guy, um, who is Howard to you exactly? Like, break him down for us when you're writing the character. <laughs> you know. Did you want him did you want him to be relatable on the surface? Was there something more to him that you took out of the film or was yeah. he always just supposed to be this guy who has a cat that has a dad as well? Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Well, there's just nothing to him. He's a mm. very boring, pampered, like he just lives in this nice apartment with his cat. He has no problems or anything. Mm. And I think there is a, an extent of like people like that mm. in that position take out their frustrations or whatever in very unhealthy ways mm-hmm. and partly like him meeting this girl which he's done probably a few times before it's mm-hmm. just like a stack of index cards like under yeah. uh tori's name in the movie um so he's done it before sorry i got totally sidetracked no, it's okay. <laughs> what was the question um who is howard exactly yeah who like, is howard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly like uh once he discovers like this other person and he gravitates toward them, he like those those bad thoughts or whatever go away. Like, oh, I'm with this person now. I can I can be healthy. And when you grab yourself onto someone like that for like selfish reasons, like he does, it, it's not a healthy relationship, and it usually spirals out of control. So that was more what it meant for me. It's like th- this like selfish love. Of like you're just with a person to get rid of your own in, internal demons. It, it's unhealthy, you know. Yeah, that's that's what Howard meant to me anyway beforehand. Because you also get the sense like Howard's never been in a relationship. He doesn't know what mm-hmm. love is. Mm-hmm. He only knows it from movies and like uh, 
like uh, books and stupid shit like that. That that stupid um painting he has. Love is l- like love is time and destiny. Whatever yeah. bullshit. Like that's all it is to him. It's just a bunch of uh, shit on a wall. That it's, means nothing. It's fairy dust. <laughs> it's fairy dust. It's all just ideas. Because yeah, yeah. he doesn't actually feel anything. Mm-hmm, He's actually mm-hmm. a monster in a, in some ways. Yeah. I Do you think that that was his intention to become a monster? Or was he always a monster down, like, deep down? Does, was yeah. he was his intention to always... What what was he, like, with <laughs> Christina? Like, like yeah, um, what was their, like, relationship? Like, for instance, um, like, I want to reference The Dark Knight with the Joker. He's just, like, he just... He wants to grab a puppy and shake it. And he doesn't know what to do with it, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, what... What was his intentions when she got in the car? You know what I mean? Yeah. Was he? I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> is he? Is he like I'm gonna kill her, or I'm gonna figure this lady out? I might want to date her because obviously he knows a lot about her. That I want to leave vague. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Cheeky. That I cheeky. Leave vague. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's fine. Because I, I think that's like a big part of like what does he want with this girl at first, and it's not revealed till a little later, like vaguely, like what he would do. Like what they what he does to that prostitute, um, but I like that. Can I tell you what I think after? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, go, go sure. ahead, go ahead. Sorry, um, you were saying something. Yeah, but I like that you don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know what he's gonna do. You know he's gonna do something, and you know he planned it yeah. <laughs> thoroughly. Yeah, you just don't know what. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I want to tell you what I think. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I think that Howard had every intention to like abduct her. He was like a serial killer. Or mm-hmm. something like that. And then he wanted to, I guess, try somebody out. And he kind of, like like you say, Howard is very much like, he do- just as much as he doesn't understand how love works, he doesn't know how to kill somebody. So he <laughs> is almost, in a sense, it's almost like he's acting like he's read some fucking book that tells him how to be a serial killer. And he's kind <laughs> of like crossing off all the lists. Oh, I got to stalk somebody. I got to focus on the routine. I got to know what they look like. I want to know what they like and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I got to know where they hang out. And so when he sees her, he's just kind of like, he's like, oh, this is great. I've got her in the car. And he's like, oh, fuck. Uh, okay, I guess I have to go home now because uh, mm-hmm. I want to take her home. And <laughs> I'm going to take her home. And then at some point I'm going to drug her. And then I'm going to kill her because that's what you do. Yeah, it's like vaguely a plan. And <laughs> then when when she goes to the bathroom and he realizes that she has a boyfriend – it kind of flips where he gets pissed off in similar ways that a lot of serial killers might get pissed off in the sense that like they feel like they can't, they can't belong to each other um, in a, in a singular sense, more from Howard and his point of view. Mm. Um, Like he can't have her because somebody else does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so with that, he feels rejected, even though she's not even privy to the information that he's going through in his head. So he gets mm-hmm. pissed off, and she recognizes that he's frustrated, but can't really reconcile for what reason. And so she's more than happy to go home, but also feels like she might want to prevent, befriend him. And then I think he goes through these months to try and work himself up to again to kill her, because he's <laughs> learning that the relationship isn't actually going to go anywhere. And then he just gets pissed off and he does it. Like, he builds himself up to the point where he can do something where he can hurt her. Yeah. To the point where, in the end, I get the intention. I, 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 I can feel that. I feel like you are going to leave this part vague. But the ending where he hurts her, he's not hurting her to, like, you know, um, 
to like kill her he's hurting her so that he can be the only one to have her yeah is that am mm-hmm. i mistaken? okay cool that, that's Bailey. there we go but that's yeah it. like the way you got there exactly was different than how i thought of it in my yeah mind, yeah and like how i wrote it but i like that like literally after that phone call he goes away like and then she comes out of the bathroom she goes why do you have two bathrooms yeah and then it cuts to like him in the car <laughs> like you don't see the rest of it so, so awkward. like you came up with this whole like oh yeah so she was like she was like what the hell's going on but she doesn't know anything about like what he heard yeah like yeah. none of that is shown <laughs> yeah, yeah so i like that part but that's me listening to way too many crime podcasts <laughs> but no i just always think it's more interesting to leave that stuff to an audience than if i just showed it because the truth is the probably re- the reason i didn't show it i mean it's been a year and a half since i edited the movie probably because mm-hmm. it wasn't interesting or good Mm-hmm. That's probably why I didn't show it. <laughs> Do you know what? That is very true. I definitely know what you're feeling. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I get that point. And I feel like a lot of I feel like a lot of directors, especially in I mean, I know I'm I guess this isn't I don't know how to say this without coming off like a dick, and if I do, I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna back up. But like yeah. I feel like a lot of directors kind of do that thing in the moment where they're like, I don't fucking know what this is. Mm-hmm. But I know it's art, and I know it's mine, and I know I did it, yeah. and I know what works. I know what or works. At least I, what works for me. And I'm just. Gonna... And there's a lot of like me learning less is more mm-hmm. with this. We're like, don't explain that. Yeah, don't yeah. show that. <laughs> just have them look. Just have these two people look at each other for a minute. You get that from, um, like the film. Like it's not a great film, but it's it's very much like a, a fucking. It's a it's a movie that's like okay you got to read into this because mm-hmm. otherwise it doesn't make any sense you can't just watch it the way it is but mother do you know mm-hmm. what I mean which one <laughs> there's like five movies called mother and mommy uh, the one the one with the the one with the exclamation mark that was made by uh, Darren Aronofsky Darren Aronofsky yeah right um, yeah Jennifer Lawrence and that film you just have to believe that Javier Bardem mm-hmm. right and Jennifer Lawrence are married you just have to believe that. And you have to believe that she's, you have to believe that she's, you know, Mary potentially, and you have to believe all these things. And then when you get to the interviews with Darren Aronofsky, he's saying that, oh, it's like a commentary on Bible and religion and shit. And yeah. you're like, well, I didn't get any of that. You know what I mean? Well, and yeah, like in the logic of the movie, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not a good example, but what I'm trying uh-huh. to say is... As I feel like a lot of directors do that, and some of them do the, it well, like your film, and some of them don't, like Mother, where you get these. these, <laughs> these you get, I'm not. You're not. I would say Aronofsky is a way better director than me. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm, but thank you. Comparing, thank you. comparing, comparing, yeah, and contrasting yeah. the two films, and you know, I'm trying to give you an example of like what is, what is good versus what is I think is is good uh, is is not as good, um, mm-hmm. and and. And the example of how to leave stuff out, and I guess my question is: is what, how do you make the decision as a director to say, you know what, fuck it, let's just leave this? You know what I mean? I don't, you don't need this. Yeah, because like I was working the original cut of the movie, mm-hmm. like when it was just all the footage laid out in order, like two and a half hours. <laughs> so there's a lot to cut out. Yeah. Well, like I just found whatever was most interesting to me, mm-hmm. like the most. I think the best, most intimate scenes between Christina and Howard are the ones where they're on the phone with each other, (laughs) which is kind of the point of the movie. Like so much of their relationship and relationships now is just over phones and pictures and it's very distant. Um, But like when he calls her um, early on in the movie or no, she calls him. 
early mm-hmm. on in the movie. And then later on at the end when she's like, I went to rehab and now I'm calling you to because they, they told me to or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think those or those scenes were just just entertaining, not entertaining, but interesting to watch. I'm like, let's just let these moments play out. Just mm-hmm. let it play out because I think it works. Mm-hmm. Um, the shootout was like a big dramatic focal point. And I like shootouts. I think they're cool. That was a, <laughs> like in I, movies. <laughs> I have to say that was a great um, for a film that had like what was the budget on this? Like ten ten thousand. Yeah, and we shot that like at that time. I thought it was going to be in color, so we used like red blood. And I fucked up my friend's house, like <laughs> blood everywhere. That take that you liked of me coming out of the bathroom and shooting, it like we got blood all over that fucking wall. There was one take where my my friend fucked up the squib and shot blood right at the ceiling like when we weren't recording. Yeah. So I was like, all right, how's it going? He's like, I'm good. It goes right up in the fucking air. So, so did like, you, stuff like that happened. Did you, like, I have to ask, like, where did you guys get those squibs? Like, did you just buy those it online? It was, uh, yeah, I got it online. It okay. was like a squib FX. It's like an air pump, though. Like, you have to pump it up with, like, a bike pump. Oh, okay. And then I attached it to the actors, and then I, like, there was someone offset, like, one of my friends with a button, and I, I <laughs> shot, and then he went, yeah. yeah, it was great, it was great, and it wasn't, yeah, it does look good, it did look pretty good. What I liked about it was, because um, there's, like, again, your film has a lot of sound, and in this sh- scene, there, it's, it's done well, because there's nothing other than the scene, like, there, mm-hmm. there's no other, other, um, elements that are added to this scene where it's just it's just a gunfight it's just a guy shooting a bunch yeah. of people in a room real quick and that's how fast it actually happens in real life i can imagine i've never and been then he in just one. walks out of the house exactly <laughs> yeah. you got this long shot of him just kind of chilling and just walking out because he's you know um but yeah I, I don't know i i think that the reason the reason why that scene is so if if we could go for if we could jump ahead ten years from now, I would say that if, if, you know you make it big and you do all this. I mean, if I, I'm not saying that like if you don't, I think you're going to do really well, um, sure. especially if this film is your your first piece that you've got to put out to the world and um, Golden Hour is what's coming next. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think you're going to do great things. But if we're going to go back, go ahead ten years from now, I think that scene's going to you're going to look back on that scene and I think you might think that, you know, that's some good work there. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that you're mm-hmm. not going to look at the whole film and be like, oh, that's good work. I'm glad I did that. But like, I know that when I look at my films that I even fucking did in high school, I'm like, I really like the way I shot this scene. Yeah. Or, I nailed that part. Exactly. Like you'd think that. Exactly. Yeah. Is there like any, I have something. <laughs> is, is there anything in, um, I guess coming to the end here, um, is there anything in, in your film that you could say, you know, 10 years from now, you'll look back on and be like, shit, like, you know, I really nailed that about this film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's good to be like confident in your own work and proud Mm. of it. I don't, there's, there's parts that I I wasn't as confident in. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, but it is good to like go through those things that you think worked. The shootout definitely for me, like stands out. I like that part. Um, like the whole ending. Yeah. The last 10 minutes, Originally, there was a lot of dialogue, mm. like a lot of explaining. Mm-hmm. Howard goes to the police station. Howard goes to the hospital. And like, you see all that. And, yeah. Um, cutting all that down to just very little, like that whole house segment is very short. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's the best part of the movie. And, and the ending, the way it ends, where it's like, okay, I have her now. 
he smokes a cigarette, you hear the sirens, and he goes away. And that's yeah. the end of the movie. <laughs> and you never you never see any of these characters ever again. Uh, like to to like pull the plug like that. I love I love that. I love when movies pull the plug like that. And like I'll never make a sequel. I'm never going to do anything with this again. <laughs> okay, you know, because I I've worked in indie film before and I know mm-hmm. when something happens uh spontaneously in my environment while I'm filming, sometimes we're like, "Oh shit, like I should take advantage of this." Like um I read that ending scene uh, when you went back and you were filming Howard uh, of him like smoking the cigarette at the end and he uh, he hears the sirens. I thought that this would work. I, I watched that and I was like, oh, my God, I wonder if he heard sirens and he got lucky. And you just said, roll the fucking tape. And uh, <laughs> like and, we recorded that there. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> no, and, no, and, no. Then, and then to improvise, you went back to that door where you were keeping her. And you unlocked it and just make sure it was locked. And you're like, ah, fuck it. It's good. And then you yeah. walk off screen. It was like, e- even if that's not the way it went, that's the way I, I felt because I was uh-huh. just, because I was like, oh man, that that's great. And it's just, but, such but a- again, that goes back to the style of like that low budget indie. Yeah. Like everyone's just making up shit and improvising. <laughs> like you get that. You don't yeah. know what's real or fake. And so it kind of has that impact on you. So that's cool. You felt that. <laughs> it's cool. Is there any, uh, improvisational scenes in this film I, i'm getting the sense that you've written everything down meticulously <laughs> really <laughs> i'm not that meticulous okay well th- yeah there are parts like scenes and dialogue you mentioned especially mm-hmm. between the two of them that mm-hmm. i really wanted that i thought was necessary but parts like them before the shootout like i just wanted to get across that they were just guys yeah know? okay and so it was about just improvise, guys. I know you guys are funny. I'm friends with you. I've been friends with you for five years. So yeah. just talk about whatever. Mm-hmm. And like scenes like that, the party scene, mm-hmm. like Cam and Tori on the bed when they were mm-hmm. talking, just drinking wine. Yeah. Cam said some shit that was so funny. It was like made everyone laugh and we couldn't use it in the movie because you fucking yeah. hurt people. He was like singing the Sanford and Son theme and like, like ridiculous shit just to like, because I'm like, just get her to laugh. Get yeah. her to like you. Yeah, yeah. And he's good at that. Yeah, I like Cam too. That mm. actor, he had like the really thick Boston accent, and yeah. it, like it was like goofy. It totally contrasted Howard, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who took some, who takes himself so seriously. Cam is the the guy who plays Raymond, right? Raymond, he's yeah, like, yeah. I'm Raymond. <laughs> now nah, I live right down that way. <laughs> I have to say that's another one of my favorite scenes is when uh, <laughs> Raymond's Raymond and uh, Howard meet for the first time, and and Howard just like looks this guy up and down. He's like, "Who's this fucking schmuck?" You know? Yeah. And, and they're like in a two frame. They're like together, and he's just alone in like a stand right in the center of the frame, like a really awkward frame. He's just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh-huh. great. It's great. And then. Uh, Howard, and then you walk away, and Howard just says, "That's the most awkward conversation I've ever had." <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was, yeah. And when we like going back to the improv, that yeah. wasn't written that way. Oh, okay. I just wrote the lines. Yeah. I'm like, let's just see what it would be like if Raymond and Howard met, yeah. and it came out super awkward. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, okay, we can work with that. Let's add in that ADR line at the end where I say, "That's the most <laughs> awkward conversation we've ever had." That wasn't in the script. It also goes back to the perspective of the film that I was talking about earlier where it, it messes with the uh, unreliable narrator where you're like, is she? did she hear that? Oh, no, she does hear that because then she says, well, you're an awkward guy or something like that. I, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, you're a weirdo. So, you know, but um, yeah. yeah, man. Oh, wow. Okay, well, all right. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about with this film? Is uh, like, what, what, what do you, how, like, how do you see this? 
film being defined in a couple years from now like oh, do you are you gonna I, look i can't even i can't predict that all <laughs> i can say like i'm proud of it yeah and, like i'm glad i did it i learned you a lot should from be it. man it's a good film yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> like even if it was a terrible film i'd be proud of it because like anyone anyone who does something creative i respect them yeah yeah and, like sure. i hope it encourages at least other people to do something it definitely even, does i can tell you mm-hmm. from experience that anybody there's tons of people on youtube that inspired me to do a lot of the stuff that cool. i've done in my life and cool. um and you know in part of me reaching out to you was inspired by the fact that your work was so great and i was just like i want to talk to this guy because he and i seem Thank like you. we have pretty similar opinions on how film works and the way <laughs> you should shoot a movie um yeah i, I just t- want my stuff to be good and to get better i hope in five years my i i make even better films than i do now well, I you know, hope so too. Let's so just hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about, or? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a lot, you know. Like, is there anything you want to talk about the film? It's like, yeah, I worked on it for three and a half years, <laughs> but I don't know where to start. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. All right. Well, Ralph, this has been awesome. It's been a pleasure, and <laughs> I am super happy we were able to finally make this happen. Um, yeah. I want to have you back on if that's all right. If uh, sure, if that's fine with me. I'm I'm glad someone likes my movie. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe we can do uh maybe we can do like have you on the show or a collab and we could we could talk about maybe not your another one of your films but just a regular one. Yeah, maybe one day. That'd be yeah, fun. that'd be cool. Um, but speaking of that, uh, you have uh another uh piece of work that you are just uh I don't know if it's done or you're working oh, yeah. on it right now. It's just it's released on Amazon Prime now and mm-hmm. Vimeo on demand. Okay. I'm going to put it on YouTube in, like, one edited full video, mm-hmm. like, for free at some point. What is it? It's Golden Hour. So I made it for even less money than Lover. Yeah. It's made it for 7000 It's about 40 minutes long, all three of them together. It's a miniseries, three okay. episodes. Okay. And it's a shot very similar to Lover, like, uh, guerrilla style, Long Island, like, in the streets. And it's about, it's a comedy about a young stoner who is kind of aimless, hopeless in life, hanging out with his, in his mom's house. And he partners with a friend from high school he, he knew, Tommy, played by Artit, who's also in A, a Lover. Which one is and he in Lover, sorry? He, is, uh, he, was, he plays Artit in Lover. He's one of the guys like, who stays uh, with um, Kyle okay, and Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's one of them. And yeah, from there, they just get together and sell weed around the neighborhood. <laughs> and that's <laughs> it. Great. It's just a series of that. Yeah, <laughs> It's pretty great. funny. Yeah. Now, did you make the? Because I remember, uh, I don't want to sound like a stalker, uh, but I guess that would be poignant. <laughs> um, now, thinking back, I remember you had a certain haircut and you grew your mustache out for that film. Like, <laughs> yeah, because I wanted to look really goofy. Yeah, like part of I wanted to make fun of stoner culture a lot. Like I have the <laughs> beanie in the show. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to grow out my hair really long. I based it kind of on Ethan Klein. I don't know if he's a stoner or not, yeah. but like I know like the whole vape nation thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so Casey, the, Casey's the character in the show, uh, mm. totally based on Ethan Klein and yeah. stoners like that. Well, I bad facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Ethan Klein is the worst facial hair. It's terrible. <laughs> um, I love him. All right, man, yeah. Ralph, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and hopefully we can do this again sometime. This is super great. awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you for giving Lover the time of day. Yeah, dude. It was <laughs> it was an awesome film, and uh, I look forward to what you're going to bring to the screens later on, and, uh, yeah. and I well, wish I you all the best. I look forward to making more and to coming back on. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Thank all right. You. Well, take care, and all the best to you. All right. 
All right, and I think that brings us to the end of another episode of The Real Rant. I just want to say another big thank you to Ralph for joining us on The Real Rant this time around. Hopefully we can have him back again. If you'd like to visit some of his uh, other works, you can go ahead and do so at Ralph the Movie Maker on YouTube. You can also visit his new project that he's just put out in the link down below uh, for his new uh, miniseries that he was mentioning called The Golden Hour. And next time on The Real Rant, we'll be discussing Terry Gilliam's film 12 Monkeys. And rolling right over to the plugs to end the show out. If you'd like to, you can go ahead and follow me at Brendan McGee, all one word on Instagram, or on Twitter at Brendan underscore McGee. That is B-R-E-A-N-D-A-N underscore M-C-G-H-E-E. If you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can go ahead and do so at The Real Rant Pod. If you're a fan, filmmaker, or creator and you'd like to get in touch with us, go ahead and do so. And if you're feeling real jazz, you can go ahead and send us an email at therealrantpodcast at gmail.com. Send us something nice, mean, or in between. It's all juicy just the same. And again, if you're a fan, filmmaker, or a creator and you'd like to get in touch with us, go ahead and send us one. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to follow the show on Instagram, you can go ahead and do so at The Real Rant, all one word, no spaces, where you can find behind-the-scenes photos of what's going on in our lives when we're in front of a microphone and sometimes when we're not. And if you'd like to help out the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe button because we'd love to have you back. And while you're at it, why don't you give us a five-star review because we'd love to hear what you think of us. And last but certainly not least... You can go ahead and visit our website at therealrant.com where you can find all the links that I've just mentioned up in the top left-hand corner of the home screen. All right, and I think that about wraps it up over here. Hope everybody stays safe out there and scene.